0: setup i'm chris grace i'm John carden it is wednesday march 6th You're i just realized you're trying to speak in a way that matches the music am i that, <laughs> you were like i'm John cardo oh that's
1: uh nope not at all that was just how i said my name how's everyone doing oh you can't respond to this uh well i did magic bar last night that was a lot of fun how was that that was good i was i did it with nick paul uh who's great that was my last time doing it my last time doing it well unless not ever unless the you know uh the public clamors for me to come back and then of course i'll just get to perform at magic bar when i when ben books me
0: um which I'm, I'm sure, really sure you'll do. be back because now you're a person that um can like someone can trust hosting it right which is not necessarily a simple task
1: yeah and last night uh um it all went very well. It was like the smoothest it's gone. I'm like, ah, it took me
0: five tries, but I finally got it. <laughs> you got it. Um, so uh this is a comedy magic podcast. Yes. And I thought one thing we could talk about today was uh your comedy magic act. Yeah. Uh that we're trying to bring to Edinburgh, Scotland right. this year for the Edinburgh Fringe. That's correct. And uh basically Edinburgh Fringe is a a giant unjuried uh fringe festival. That means that like there's no uh application process. There's no official like vetting to get into the Edinburgh fridge. You just have to get a venue to agree to uh like host your show. Mm-hmm. But there's no overarching like fringe society that like chooses what shows go in or don't. Right. So this part of the year is a time of year where uh people like me as the producer of a show like this, I'm I'm trying to find venues that potentially want to take John Accardo, which temporary title is John Nicardo, way too close. <laughs> way too close. <laughs> I was just trying to like come up with something to put in the in the online forms that I'm. Well, one of them was just John Nicardo close up magic, but uh, yeah, that has has no pizzazz. Yeah, pizzazz uh, we, we can definitely close. change that at some point. So, um, the last thing that happened that uh, we ha- we haven't talked about this on the podcast, but I've been applying to different uh, venues uh, to try to bring John to Scotland, and the last thing I had told you was uh, that we had sort of. One and a half options for venues. Mm-hmm. Um, I just realized I didn't give you a Diet Coke today. You did not. That's oh. all I can think about. <laughs> it's, uh, it's okay. We can, I'll, I'll survive. Um,
1: the, the thing about the Diet Coke is there's so much carbonation that I keep burping throughout the episode, so yeah. I'm constantly leaning away from the microphone to do
0: that. You're like Tay Day and Chocolate Rain. Yes. <laughs> exactly like Tay Day. Do you know Tay Yeah. I remember Chocolate Rain. Um, so we had one and a half, one and a half uh, offers. What that means is we have one offer, an official offer for 1145 every night at a place called City Cafe, mm-hmm. uh, which is a karaoke bar. And they've converted the karaoke rooms into um, stages for the festival, which happens throughout Edinburgh. Like um, every bar and restaurant converts every single usable space in their facility to a performance space. Right. Um, So and then we had a half offer from a different place that was one thirty every day at a. I would argue probably a nicer space. That's what it sounded like. Yes, that was an offer that was like, "There's another play that wants this spot and they get to have it before you." Okay, so they have taken that slot. Oh, they took it. (laughs) So that slot Ah, is gone. And that uh, that whole production like venue emailed me this morning to say like, "Unfortunately, this time we don't have anything for you." Okay. So you never know, things might open up with them. However, the, the 1145 offer, they were kind of like, can you make a decision in the next three or four days? Oh, boy, okay. Because um, otherwise they want to offer that slot to other people. Right. So basically there's like, right now we have one offer. Cool. Um, so it's, let's, I, we talked a little bit about the various challenges of this uh, and potential benefits as well. Um, it's an offer at a free venue which makes the whole thing less, um, the bar for a successful month is much lower Mm -hmm. if it's at a free venue, because what that means is the audience doesn't pay anything. Uh, it means that we don't pay any rent either. Right. Um, um, venues do this in Edinburgh because they're almost always bars and it just like, they, they make money on the alcohol sales basically. Sure. So, um, you pay like a little fee just to get your show listed. And then at the end of each show, you say like, Hey, you know, you have a lot of options here at the fringe. I'm so glad you came to this one. Uh, you know, this show is free, but this is something that people say a lot is they'll be like, you know, you got to see this show for free, but I think, you know, if you guys enjoy the show, you know, if you can, uh, put some money in the bucket in the end just to show however much you think this show is worth. And people will be like, you know, some people say this show's worth 10 pounds some <laughs> people say it's worth 20 or whatever there's always a little spiel at the end mm-hmm. um now i've had a lot of friends like make a like do pretty well at the fringe mm-hmm. with free venues and the, the the main thing is like once the to cover your overhead for the month is much lower than if we've got another venue also it doesn't matter because we don't have any other offers <laughs> true very true um so then another challenge besides it's, that
1: it's it is strange like to, th- to think like oh that is the only offer given how many d- hundreds of theaters there are especially considering that you told me that the, last year there was a friend show that was just a person who bathed you in milk
0: no not last year I, that was a year before i ever got there but got yeah it. Oh, uh-huh. okay uh so yeah. maybe not maybe but um um well, yeah, like the part milk of it, guy could get an offer. <laughs> that's right. Well, part of it is that, like, a lot of it's based on, uh, people knowing people, and right. Um, there's a lot of um. So it's, and also last year I had an easier time when I was producing Voldemort because, uh, which is a show I produced about um a prequel to Harry Potter because that's an easy marketing sell to people. Sure. To be like, you know, oh, actually, another big challenge is that um. I was looking for venues with 50 and under seats, Mm. um, which is there's a lot of small venues in Edinburgh. But everybody wants them because the similarly the bar for success is very low. Sure. Um, So the Harry Potter parody that we did last year was in a venue that seats 300, and those venues are actually pretty easy to get. Like it's actually uh, that's interesting because um, nobody wants them because nobody wants the pressure of having to sell 300 seats a night, Um, and also like our first show last year, we sold 60 tickets Mm -hmm. and I was like, this is going to be a failure (laughs) (laughs) because like 60 people sitting in a 300 seat theater is really sad. Right. 60 people sitting in a 70 seat theater is like incredible, you know, near sellout. Right. Um, But then you did very well, right? We ended up doing well. Yeah. We sold 78% of our tickets uh, over the month. Um, So, okay. The other challenge is that it is, um, I, so right now the choice is, do you want to do this offer or not go? It's <laughs> like, that's the current offer. Right. I can push some other venues and see what they are, but that's that's where we stand right now. Uh, and I'm really fine either way. Um, the other challenge is, I, because of this space, imagine a karaoke room that... Um, actually, I, can sh- I think I can show you a picture of it. Imagine a karaoke room where um, there's like couches in a big rectangle and then there's sort of wooden benches in the middle Um, and there's a stage at one end it's a small intimate room however none of it is it's all at the same level right Um, so it's potentially an issue for a table close-up show yes Uh, let's look at what what we had talked about doing yes so here's what here's I'm showing John a picture that's, I see. That's yeah. the room they have offered. It's
1: especially tough given that the stage is raised. I don't think the stage is raised. Oh, is it not?
0: No, it's the stage is actually this just. Oh, um, am I looking at a couch on the right photo? That's a, the the stage is where that TV is. I see. Uh, you know, we can put these on the Instagram. Well, you might <laughs> um, you vote um, so, on. What yeah, I this is do. a this is normally a group karaoke room, right? Um, so, like, these are like screens for people to sing from and stuff. So this is basically, and I think it's not as big as this feels because it only seats, uh, forty. Okay, total. Um, I and mean, that's about what that looks like to me. Yeah. So the challenge here is it probably has to be a little bit more of a stand-up show, is my guess. Right. Although I think you, I was looking at um a photo that Nick Paul took of you at the Magic Bar. Yeah. Last night, and I was like, oh, you actually, that actually is a not a great close-up uh it is a great but like for doing table stuff the people in the front row are actually below you right Um, i guess because their eyes are above the thing that that it's pretty it is
1: tough i mean that is a reason why i don't really do any coin magic at magic bar like a matrix or something Uh because it is a weird like their eyes are Sort of level to what you're doing, if not sometimes. Below <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, it's, it's challenging. They're like looking under your hands, basically. Sometimes that used to be a really serious issue with the Closer Gallery. Oh, in the first and the first row is that the people in the first row, anybody that wasn't you know as tall as your husband, was basically looking like up under, and so anything unless you were <laughs> making really, really, really specific attempts to like make sure the cards uh-huh. are are really uh, down people could kind of, if you were just holding a card like parallel to the table, they people could, could usually see what that was oh. or if someone was palming a card or something. There's it was a really serious issue. They actually had to raise those seats quite a few inches. And so oh. now those, um, you, uh, I don't think this is an issue for you, but a lot of people all bring, uh, will sit in those chairs like in the second row and their feet won't touch the ground.
0: Oh, that's definitely an issue for me. Oh, is it? <laughs> oh yeah, for okay. sure.
1: My legs are very short. Oh, so, uh, yeah, so that used to not be like that, but they kind of raised all the seats like
0: three or four inches, yeah, to try to solve that problem. um, so I think that like we could lean into it and see think of Scotland as being like a fun challenge for you, mm-hmm. which is can you come up with like a fifty minute show right that is has some close up elements but also has some parlorish right. elements um that that's what I think probably we should think about if we take this venue. Because right. I think just putting up a table and doing stuff where you're lapping and that kind of stuff, the first three rows will like, but people in the back might not. Now, the other thing is that we you might get there and like it, there will be a night where only like five people show yes. up. Yes. So, that's like do all you want. Do your close-up, you know, do whatever you want. Um, I may. Like, there, cool. Um, there also might be times when um, in that picture, the wooden benches are movable. Mm-hmm. So, the other thing I thought about was like what if um, – you went out into the crowd a little bit and did like a little bit of like you could walk around and do the stuff closer to people in the back if you needed to cool um so i don't know so, what do, what's your thoughts about all this right now uh
1: i mean I, I guess at the end of the day i would probably take it if that was the offer if that was the only offer
0: uh, yeah. uh we have which it sounds like it is <laughs> uh, um, so i, I th- mean what, what is the appeal is there an appeal to you to just like Going for fun and just doing a magic show? absolutely. Okay. Um, I I couldn't tell if you you were just like, no, I want it to be like an ideal situation and, you know.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I I mean, I am nervous about like all of, you know, like an 1145 show definitely stresses me out. The idea of of that, um, especially given that, uh, you know, it's in a bar and I'm like, I don't know if I had the experience to deal with a drunk Scottish crowd every night at midnight. I mean, this might
0: be your Berlin though. Or your Hamburg. The the, the Beatles Uh, Hamburg. Yeah. So
1: (laughs) it it very may very well be. So I, I don't see a lot of negatives to it, but there are some serious challenges that are scary given that the other half offer that we had and no longer have was very nice. Was was didn't really have most of those like cool middle of the day, then I have like the rest of my day to do other stuff if I need to. Yeah. Um or you know, see stuff, or hang out with people, or whatever. Plus, also not you know, in the in a bar at midnight. So yeah, that, that's scary.
0: Um, the you know, other, but, I mean,
1: Lance Burton, you know, opened like at a strip club. I think.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah, so if he can do it, the uh, the the one thirty offer. That I would say the downsides for that are are one that it doesn't exist. <laughs> um, well, with that attitude. <laughs> uh, Two, but I I also think that. Um, uh, you, it might not be super fun to do a show for families and kids for a whole month either. Good point. Um, it's, it's funny that right before we started recording, you were like, oh, I have news about
1: Edinburgh to tell you. <laughs> and then I, I didn't anticipate that news being like, yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely happening. It's definitely know, happening,
0: happening yeah. Um So, yeah, I don't know. It's something to think about. We can talk about some other uh, options. Like, I think the... I haven't produced anything at the free fringe. A lot of people have had pretty good uh, things to say about it, mostly because of that issue of right now at the fringe, there's like the other company, the 130 slot, uh-huh. is part of a big producing organization that people are kind of souring on. Uh, not that particular company in particular, but the idea of companies coming in and taking over spaces and sort of charging you like really high rents. And they do charge you a lot of. What like, would the
1: rent of that have been? Do you
0: know. They, so what they do is they do a minimum. Um, actually, talk a little bit and I'll look it up. Uh, yeah, you gotta stop throwing these at. Me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my yeah. improv skills are too poor to be like. Uh, uh. Uh, have you been to a fringe at all? Um oh, I, I've been fringe? to the Hollywood Fringe. Um, um, did you see the John Armstrong?
1: No, I didn't. The John Ar- was like, that Nick Paul too? John Armstrong, Nick Paul, Simon Cornell, um, and maybe Lovick, maybe Handsome Jack. Uh-huh. I think. Uh they did the show where you they would all perform and they all wanted to name the show a different thing, and then the end the audience would
0: vote on what the show would be named uh, th- did they also do some kind of like cell phone um uh voting kind of thing? yes, I
1: believe that Simon was able to code a very, very simple voting thing where people could go to like a website on their phone and then vote, and then that would you could see it in real time. And so there's like this real tension and stress of the performers watching on the screen it happen because they're all afraid of the idea that what if none of us get any, like what if someone got zero votes? How, how awkward would that be? And I think they also, to make sure it was varied, would also challenge themselves that nobody could do the exact same thing every night. Uh huh. They wouldn't have to reinvent it, everything completely, but every night they would have to do at least something a little bit different than the night before.
0: Okay, I've got your information. Cool. So the, the, the place that we were offered for the one thirty that didn't happen, uh, has a minimum. So it means over the month you have to, your box office gross has to be a certain amount to pay for your rent. Essentially that minimum was 1500 pounds. Okay. Um, so basically what it means is the first 1500 pounds of ticket sales goes to, um, the company. Mm -hmm. And so we would have to sell tickets beyond that to like. Like, basically, if I rent a place free to live and we fly you over... Right. We have to make that cost plus 1,500 pounds to break even. Yes. Plus marketing and advertising and all that stuff. So, it, like, it just raises the, the nut of the whole project uh-huh. uh, pretty high. Last year, I was fairly confident because I was doing a Harry Potter-related show. Yes. Um, so uh, there's a certain amount of anxiety that comes from, like, are we going to make our minimum kind of thing that uh, is a potential con to going to these places and they, what I do find sort of disappointing about some of these places is they'll also charge you like, like they put out their own brochure um, and you are required to advertise in it. And that costs minimum 400 pounds. It's like, okay, so you, that's just weird to me that right. it's like a required thing. Last year we had to uh, use, we used a projector in the Voldemort show and, we had to rent that from the venue, and that was like nine hundred pounds. Oh, damn! So they they kind of nickel and dime you in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, to where you end up spending like a lot of money. So over there, they call it pound and pence. No, yeah, pound I and can't. pence. Um, yeah, what do they call it for nickel and dime you? I don't know. Um, How if they just say that? Yeah, they might. They they, they just uh, use the phrase. Yeah, they also u- They do stuff. They'll say stuff like miles and pounds. Yeah, like for, like they don't say pounds for weight, but they'll say like miles. I yeah. of, uh, um,
1: Well, the, the road in the UK is all miles per hour. Strange.
0: Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah.
1: Very confusing.
0: Um. So anyway, that's where we stand. Cool. I thought listeners would like to know a little backstory about it's what's happening with John in this. I think it would be an interesting challenge to say like, because you've said before that you don't have a ton of stand-up stuff. I don't have a ton of stand-up stuff. <laughs> so I, this would kind of be like yeah, setting make, a deadline right. for you of like, you you know, and you would come out of Scotland with a stand up act. I would. Yeah. Which um, is I'm from it's I don't know this exactly, but it seems like it would help you get more gigs. Is that Yo, right? No, yeah. I mean it just
1: it's just so practical to have much
0: more I have let me don't get me wrong, I have a lot
1: of stand up stuff. Yeah. But again, there's like a standard that I hold myself to with my close up magic of like right. is it original, is it interesting, is it not something that anybody could do exactly the same. Right. And if I kind of throw those questions out the window I could do an hour stand up stuff you know between like ropes and shit it was just like there's so much stuff that I went I wouldn't necessarily really want to put my name on this because there's nothing I'm adding that special to it that make it
0: so good. What if good. you just did Professor's Nightmare for 50 minutes?
1: Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh,
0: <laughs> that's that's my entire stand-up act. It's just Professor's I would love Nightmare. it if you don't do any
1: ropes. I would also love it. <laughs> I, was, I would also love it. Unless there's something good to do with ropes. Yeah, I had, But I, I don't know that I...
0: I think a lot of times what happens is people take out the ropes and my first thought is like, I've never seen a rope like that in my whole life. <laughs> in my house I've never had a rope like that. And I know that they're often real ropes, but they're just ropes that like That's not what I think of when I think of rope. Right. I only see that in magic acts. Well, I do a rope trick to show you, but that uh, I guess I won't do. (laughs) (laughs) No, you could. Um, Actually, I was watching a little bit of rope magic the other day, and I was thinking, like, rope and rings are two entire areas where I have no idea what the basic principles are. Like, I I don't know anything about how rope magic works. Okay. Um, Whereas, like, now card magic, I'm pretty – uh, I can't do a lot of it, but when uh-huh. I watch it, I'm like like i'm I notice my spider sense goes up when like something f- kind of funny happens right uh, and Rope magic I still find genuinely beguiling. I don't find it that interesting <laughs> <And> that's fascinating, <laughs> but yeah. i but I find it like, oh, I don't know how that's happening right um well, you know something Simon and I
1: talked about once last time when we were at FISM, we kept kind of trading stories about the last time we were really, truly, like, astounded by something. Like yeah. When was the last time you really, really were just blown away, destroyed? I have absolutely no idea how that was done. And then we realized, though, there is a distinction between that feeling and whether or not you gave a shit. Yeah. Like, there was a routine that I saw on Fool Us. I won't say who it was um, because it was a great routine. I don't want to shit on this guy. It's going to sound meaner than I mean it to. But it was like, <laughs> there was this routine... Uh, it was on their first season um, when they were still in England, uh, and someone f- fooled them. And it was this really, really incredible routine that completely fooled me. I had absolutely zero idea how it was done. It was so fair. It was so clean. They had no idea how it was done, and it was great. But I also like didn't care that much. Uh-huh. You know, I was it fooled me, but I was like, yeah. It, it felt like a puzzle. It felt like a puzzle that was impossible to solve. I hear that a
0: lot uh, about th- that. It feels like a puzzle as a bad thing,
1: right? I yeah. think because that is the kind of thing you're trying to avoid. Because at, at best you're like, oh, I, I don't know how it works. When I, the, you know, <laughs> it's not really necessarily supposed to be a puzzle that you can't solve. It's supposed to be this very special sort of magical feeling and experience that you're that you're getting, yeah. Which you don't get out of a, a simple puzzle, right? You know. And so that was a time where I where I said, well, let me ask you this. This was the last time I got truly astounded and was really really blown away. Uh, um, in the in the terms that I absolutely no how, idea how it was done. There was no part of me that had any idea how I would recreate that without just Stooges at uh, which there weren't and so I said however I, I didn't really I wasn't that super entertained I didn't think about it for long after I had seen it. I was just it was very uh, puzzling and then that was kind of it and then he and then we kind of discussed which of those is actually more important. Sure, I was completely fooled. But I didn't really care that much. I didn't really seek out the performer to see their other stuff. I didn't rewatch the routine. I didn't show it to any of my friends be like, "Oh my god, look at this." Mm-hmm. Uh so that is something. I don't know how we even got on that. Uh
0: you were talking about this conversation you had with Simon about like, I was saying I got fooled. I, I get fooled by rope magic. Right oh, but you don't of... really give a shit about it. Yeah.
1: Right. So that is something to think about is is not only is the magic, is it fooling, but it also still has to be interesting and exciting. Yeah. You know? um, And sometimes people are forgiving of that. I have definitely had guests at the castle that have said to me, oh, yeah, that person wasn't that entertaining. You know, kind of the comedy wasn't great, but the magic was decent. And so a lot of people are like, it's for good magic we will be kind of forgiving. Uh-huh. More so, you know, than they necessarily should be. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think yeah, making your stuff interesting and exciting and memorable is apparently just as important. So we've learned. <laughs>
0: I would think so. I would hope you know?
1: so. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just like the the your bottom line shouldn't necessarily be is this just it, just it fool will this fool people? Yeah, they still have to give a shit that it fooled them.
0: Yeah, I think because uh, I would say there's probably uh solitary technical skills that can fool the eye where people will be like, I don't like that's, I think kind of in vogue right now when you look at what's being sold is like a single use video about a specific move that is very beguiling without necessarily much of a routine around it. Right. Um, so I think there's a lot of folks. Like chest
1: right- down videos of, yeah. you know. There's a lot
0: of focus right now on technical skill, I mm-hmm. feel like. And I guess it's because it's probably an easier thing to sell you can sell a gimmick or a gaff, and you can sell, like, here's my insight into a specific technical move. I think it's harder to sell... Here's my video on how to create an interesting routine <laughs> script. Right, because that's so much harder. There's
1: not, like... And one a, of the great appeals to doing magic is that you can buy something, and it works, and you can do a trick with it. Yeah. And then immediately feel the gratification of,
0: like, oh, wow, I did something. So if you bought a video that was, like try to write a story, you know, that I don't even know how you would sell something like that. Right. You know, take take a move that you know very well. Now think of a way to talk to people about it and it, that's interesting. What's interesting about that is that, while maybe not super commercial, those tend to be pretty
1: popular when things like that are created. I mean, I Like was the a, Scripting Magic book? A Scripting Magic and then there's a second uh, book in that series by yeah. uh, Pete McCabe about Scripting Magic. It's very good. I've yeah. not read the second one. I do not know what is in it. Yeah. Um, I guess it, it just completely you,
0: refutes the first book, right? <laughs> just forget it. Just, just
1: buy. It's like, after careful consideration, I realized everything in that first book is bullshit. Just buy tiny plunger. Right. <laughs> just buy tiny plunger. Um, this is a very good trick. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I actually had one of the tiny plungers already. <laughs> oh, just the. It's like an iPhone stand. Oh. It was before the oh, pop right. sockets were a thing. the back of the phone. you stick it thing. to the back of the phone. You like stand stuff on it. Yeah. So I had one. So. Uh,
0: have you, do you see tiny plunger done? No, I don't
1: see anybody do it really besides Armstrong.
0: Um, yeah, I wonder how, how often do you see like a thing where you're like, oh, I know. How often do you see someone just buy something and just do it the way it was? Pretty awesome. Per- oh, do you really? Well, what do you mean? I mean like... Like, you like if you see a tiny plunger? No, but like if you see somebody do balance, they're not like... I have a friend in prison. Who, oh,
1: right. And that is sort of the unspoken thing is you can't just use that script unless okay. it is explicitly given to you that you're allowed to use it. Okay. Which I think on tricks like those, they're not. They're not Right. So for balance,
0: because when I do balance, I go, I have a friend in a mental institution and he's not allowed to have. <laughs> we call him Crazy Larry. Yeah. And Crazy Larry's always like, I'm out of balance. Well, Larry, this one's for you. <laughs> <laughs> And you play the most sentimental music you can find. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, we were talking about how, like, you were saying that it is successful when people. Oh, yeah. Those so kind
1: of that's one example. I think Zabrecki just wrote a book. Um, yeah, he wrote, like, an essay that's out on Vanishing. Yes. I think Steve Cohen wrote something that is a similar essay that's also out on Vanishing, Inc. And then I'm also thinking of.
0: Oh, Maximum Entertainment. Maximum
1: Entertainment. Yeah, it's a popular book. And then uh, something I just read Roberto Joby when I saw him give a lecture at the Magic Apple. Uh, who's a very smart magician? Um, he uh, he had he had this book called like Fifty Two Questions, I think, or something along those lines. It was the only thing I bought. And what it was is he basically it was essentially did like a Reddit AMA where people submitted questions and he answered fifty two of them. And he's like, ask me anything, ask me how a trick works, ask me this, ask me what my favorite kind of magic is, ask me how to script a show, ask me. You know how uh, how to learn magic. Ask me how to study magic. Like whatever you want to ask me about magic, I'll try to give you the most complete answer I can. If you want to ask, you know, where your pinky should be on this move. If you want to ask, you know, what the art of magic is, like I'll 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 try to do my best to answer the first fifty two questions I get or something along those lines. And that's been really cool to read because it kind of is a very eclectic and and cool collection of stuff mm-hmm. uh, that is just like. Just one thing. It's kind of, there's a lot of stuff so I can kind of flip from page to page and find very different things. And one thing he had talked about was, um, I don't remember how he got into this. If someone asked it or if he brought it up, through something else but he was saying that once one time he had put out this essay that was like the ideas for tricks or a cool visual thing he's like but i don't have anything else like the other 80 percent of this i don't have I was like here's just a cool idea uh-huh. so he he's like that was really popular so let me write it a, let me do another edition of it so he put out five ideas of things that you could do in a magic act That would be cool and interesting and theatrical, and he had no trick for them. And the one that I remember the most, I played with this for about a week, and I wrote some ideas for it, and I kind of haven't done anything with it yet. The idea was you have a fishbowl on the table, a glass fishbowl, with your... um, with like a collection of slips of paper on it mm-hmm. that are your favorite, your 30 favorite tricks and you put them in the bowl and like people reach in and pull them out and that makes the show that you do. Like the, the four oh. or five things people you do. And then he even said like, then you could, you know, you could gimmick that. You could do something else with it and then you could sort of force a certain show or do something or make it feel like that they put things in the bowl and then they pull them out and those are the tricks. That, those are the kind of things you do or like, you know, you could do them in different slips of paper different colors and yellow is coins and blue is cards and mm. then people pick things like that. He goes, I don't know. Do something with that. He, there's, there's like ideas along those lines. There's no trick. There's nothing for you to really immediately go off of. It's just kind of an idea to play around with and yeah. inspire some sort of creativity. It should
0: be the Scotland show.
1: Uh, Oh, hell yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> um,
0: uh, just basically John like, Accardo, It's up to you. John Accardo, Life in the fish bowl. Life uh, in the fish I bowl. mean, it should end with, the, uh, uh, with a fish swimming around in it. Of course. I think. Yeah. I don't know how you would do that. I don't know. We'll figure it out um it would be cool if you know if the fishbowl was like if an audience member could come up draw a uh, slip of paper and and already have volunteered themselves for that trick oh that's pretty cool you know since they're up there right just like cool you drew this one you know now we're doing Mm -hmm. uh smash and stab (laughs) i was about to make that joke (laughs) yeah cool mix up these uh styrofoam cups um (laughs) What if they're, I mean, this would be a very fringe show, is that it's always smash and (laughs) stab. Right. And that like, it's- do 30 (laughs) smash and stabs? Yeah. Just to let you know, one of the shows that I've never been to see at uh, Fringe that I want to is, uh, uh, I have to look up the exact title, but it's basically, like, the title of the show is, um, wait, Dressed as an Old Man. (laughs) Uh, This is what I love about- an old man. I think if I Google this, this will be. Here we go. The name of the show is. A young man dressed as a gorilla, dressed as an old man, sits rocking in a rocking chair for 56 minutes and then leaves. That's the total title of the show. Uh, this particular and one. I'm I can't at, get a venue. <laughs> <laughs> the per, the a particular three one. Three o'clock. The particular one I'm looking at is the eighth rendition of it this is 2016 i think they did it they've done it every year but basically uh and i've seen i've seen video of it that exactly what i just wrote wrote is what happens a guy comes out he's dressed as a gorilla he's in a gorilla suit but he's got like glasses and like a wig old man wig on. sits in a chair and then he just rocks back and forth for almost an hour (laughs) and it's sold out every year it's only one night for the whole Fringe. Oh, okay. Um, it's okay. sold out. It's only one night. And then people start to go like crazy for the hour because they get so bored. And it's a really weird energy. It's like a late night thing. Are you
1: allowed to like talk? Yeah. Like, like, they, like they, if, they, could you and I just go and just like chat yeah. and like hang out and like, you know, with coffee yeah. or something? And people
0: start like yelling at him. And, and it's it's a very bizarre experiment where he just like sits there for an hour and then he just gets up and leaves.
1: I have an idea for a magic show I'd like to do. Uh, <laughs> called John puts on a gorilla suit and then does one card trick and then maybe it'll be really popular, it sounds like.
0: I mean, it could, yeah. So, um,
1: or, just, or whatever. What's the most gimmicky thing I could do? John um messes up every mana trick.
0: I was going to banana bandana.
1: <laughs> banana bandana. Okay, all banana material. Anything tangentially related to a monkey.
0: I was um showing something to somebody the other day and and it was a trick that had you know the thing like, oh, I didn't find your card. Oh, here it is, or whatever. And I was wondering, what percentage of tricks have like a mistaken a, a quote mistake in them? A lot, um, a lot. It
1: maybe more than it should. Right. Which I don't know. What do you think about that? What do you think about tricks that
0: pretend to mess up? I I don't mind it. It's just that it happens so often that mm-hmm. it doesn't feel surprising anymore. Right. Um, and I feel like audiences feel that a little bit too. I don't think. I think rarely our audience is generally full. I think you're particularly good at it because you make them, you really lean into that. Right. Well, that's why,
1: I mean, that's, you know, pardon me for saying, yeah, too many people do it, but mine is good. I I, I don't want to be that guy, but allow me to be that guy for a second. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think the, the reason I think it's overdone is because no one does anything with it. Yeah.
0: Because there's no, I th- I wonder if this is a response to piercing the idea because there's also a philosophy of like, don't do magic just to be like I'm so cool, right? I'm better than you. So it's a way of piercing that ego a little bit of saying like, hey, I messed up. But then it but then you recover from it and you succeed. So
1: I I would say that the the, the question shouldn't necessarily be, what percentage of people do tricks that pretend to go wrong at some point? And is that too high? I'd say the real question should be what percentage of those tricks are convincing to an audience that someone, something actually did go wrong and what is that adding?
0: Right. And also I think with I, – I don't think that something going wrong and it being fixed fits everyone's character. And it seems to happen in everybody's shows. <laughs> you know, like I think there are some characters where like I don't need that moment of whatever. Right. Um and uh, I think it's often just used as a
1: very, very easy sort of MacGuffin as a way of like, is that the right usage of that?
0: No, a MacGuffin is a plot device that, um, like the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. Okay. That's just a thing people want that you never actually find out details oh, about. Oh,
1: I thought it was sort of like a catalyst sort of a thing.
0: Uh, it can be. You're Let's see. What I meant, what I you meant, mean mulligan,
1: <laughs> I guess, what I meant in that usage was like sort of a plot device that is very easy and popular to just get you to another place. Yeah. You go, oh, okay. Well, Hey, look, I'm going to pay you $5 if this trick goes wrong. Oh, the trick went wrong. Here's $5 Oh, in my wallet is a thing that wasn't, you know, like in <laughs> you my still owe
0: the person, $5 <laughs> cause it did go wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh my God. Someone Venmoed me a dollar last night. Oh, you mean for, as a tip? Yes. For the first episode. Oh, really? For the first episode. Now, Grant there's a friend of mine. Oh, but, wait. Uh, Andrew I Hollander. I think I might have gotten that, too. Uh, my friend Andrew Hollander uh, Venmoed me $1. It's so, like four. Epi- I'm going to see if I can pull up that Well, one.
0: also, this means that you were we're both now professional podcasters, because we have collected money for our efforts. Let me pull up the... Uh, Thank you, Andrew, for sending us a dollar. You know what? Send us a dollar, and we'll give you a shout-out. Send us a dollar, and we'll give you a I shout-out. I think I might have gotten that, too, and I was like, how did... How would you have gotten Huh? How would you have gotten it? Because you just know. then note it to me directly. But I think I did. Um, and weirdly, I got a hundred dollars.
1: Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> that's uh, that's um that's frustrating. Hey, I
0: want to talk about the uh, nominations.
1: Yeah, let's talk about the nominees, baby. Um, I was trying to say baby in an exciting, exciting way, but uh Oh no,
0: my friend Justin Zell did we ask people to pay us for this podcast on the
1: first episode you said everyone owes us a dollar
0: oh that's hilarious do you remember that yeah first episode. I wasn't really serious <laughs> I was <laughs> but I, I was serious it. as
1: a heart attack. and then it was just, actually someone sent me on Instagram um, that uh, we should start a patreon he's like uh, I was like how do I give you your dollar haha <laughs> but seriously if you consider it a patreon
0: yeah I mean I have considered a patreon and uh, I'd, I'd be up for that yeah yeah I would like to give a shout out to my friend Justin Zell from Justin Pittsburgh Zell. Uh, I did improv with him back in the day and he started an improv theater in Pittsburgh called Steel, oh, Steel City C- yeah yeah Steel City improv theater
1: um I hear uh who is it that um uh, that is in magic to do with you that like just went out there to do um
0: oh I don't know uh I don't know I can't remember uh Ashley her- Ross uh Zach Jess, Tara Bain. Tara, I think it was Tara. Oh, cool. Tara went to because um,
1: she follows our setup podcast page. Follow us at Setup Podcast on Instagram. Also, uh, I keep forgetting to say this: if you're enjoying this, uh, give us a give us a um, uh, rating on Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah, that would go a
0: long way. Um, uh, so, Justin was a friend of mine from New York, uh, and he started an improv theater in Pittsburgh, and cool. also was uh, into magic as a youngin, oh, cool. and is getting back into it now. I have a cool. couple of, like improv friends that are uh, kind of like I would say I started it before I heard about our friend Matt who's does abracababble right but i think matt donnelly and abracababble has uh triggered a lot of people to revive their magic interest sure i bet um so i think i think justin's getting back into it and i've seen
1: i mean just through you you've told me about so many improv people that have like auditioned for the castle or taken classes or interested in like there's yes. all a big uh big number of people yeah i went that. to it's pretty I, amazing the crossover what, sh- what do you
0: think that is because uh, they're both bullshit. <laughs> uh, they're both
1: something that stand-ups make fun of?
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. Um, I, w- I shot a web series for, as a favor for a friend last week, and the director, she was like, I-, I was like, this is where I was showing them some, like, I showed them that uh, math magic trick, and the director okay. was like, oh, is that my finger- I'd love to see how you do that um not well okay well, <laughs> now i'm your... doing the other one i'm doing the totally hands-off one and the problem is is that they're very similar what's the totally hands-off the one? ones i showed you last week um it, it's like uh it's any card at any number right but with a similar structure as the math magic one right which is a bunch of like f- like whirly both gig... danny Whir- D'Arti's routine yeah yes a bunch of whirly gig fluff around right. <laughs> a very i'd love to see method.
1: your whirly gig fluff yeah that's
0: that's what i want to watch <laughs> um Anyway, I was about to show them that, and I was—they had a deck of cards there, and she was like, "Oh, is that my Svengali deck?" And I was like, "Oh, so." And she—she's a director, cool—and had taken the first level at Magic Castle. Oh, cool! Uh, and it was interesting. She said, "Like, what I learned from that class was I really love watching magic, but I don't like doing it." Okay, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know how we got on this. Uh, what was I talking about just before that? Your friend at Steel City. Uh, oh, improv. Why? How many?
1: How many white people that? So. Why there seems to be a, a growing crossover from improv people to want to do magic.
0: I don't know. I mean, if you're an impro- improviser, you as an adult past the age of 20 took on a, because very few people get into improv when they're like 12. Right. Um, as an adult, you took on a new craft and that it's very um, like, <laughs> this is not the right word, learny. Where you have to learn a bunch of, like, it's, you're embarking on a journey that's like, I'm trying to learn a specific craft. Uh huh. And I think maybe that, like, that's what I like about doing stuff in general. And that's what I love about magic, is I just love that transition from, like, I don't know how to do this to knowing how to do this. Right. Um, Le- well,
1: let me ask you then that about, uh finish your thought. No, no,
0: I just think that that's potentially why I love, like, problem solving and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like probably lots of people just would like, I bet a lot more people would like magic than think they would, I'm sure that's typically true, as yeah, well. yeah, that's my experience. I just well. think that they have to get through the the
1: cliches around it. I came up with by the way, we talked to um I don't know if we talked on the podcast about this, but I told you a joke that I had written in mind uh. that I'm like, I don't know how do you make this what is the punchline to this joke or like what is the extra like what is the tag for this? Uh-huh. the joke was comparing uh we about to get political folks uh the joke is comparing um. Uh, magicians to trump supporters and saying like in a show you know it feels like magicians would be trump supporters it's all old white men they hate any n- new change and they're very hostile towards women uh-huh. i could never think of a punchline for that and then i started to think like is that even a joke or is that just kind of an observation <laughs> that's maybe true i figured out what it was i i, I think i wrote a punchline that it, it, i don't think is great but i'm like cool at least i know i did find it for what it, whatever okay it was yeah the joke is, uh, yeah, you would expect magicians to be like Trump supporters. A lot of the same boxes are checked: all old white men, very hostile towards women, uh, famous for a specific kind of hat. Oh, I like that. There's more to be done. I don't. Just if you're listening, I don't. I I don't think that, that is like a great joke. But I was just relieved. I'm like, oh, cool. You I finally did find a punchline that wasn't just a factual. You put statement. it like a closure
0: on it, right? Uh, yeah, magicians are like uh, Trump supporters. They're old. They're white, and they wear a specific kind of hat. Right. Maybe that's it. I'm trying to put in the Harrison Greenbaum clarity. Compression. Compression and... Contrast. Contrast. They're old white, and they, they wear a specific kind of hat. Um,
1: and it's... Uh, we're to have to edit this out. Oh, wait, no. Uh, is this, are we banking this one, or is this one coming out today? No, this one's... Well, uh, yeah, we're going to start interviewing a couple people. We have some yeah. people we want to interview, and uh, this weekend we'll have Harrison Greenbaum in yes, the garage to talk to him. So we'll ask him this We'll have him
0: punch up this joke. We'll have him punch up. The, I'm the a, funny thing I'm is, I to have. Say it, I'm afraid to say it to him. He'll be like, "That's terrible." Kill yourself. <laughs> Kill yourself is a definitely a millennial thing that people say to each other in a very casual way. Right. That um, that uh, I feel like I feel like it's a young person's thing to say, just like so readily. Yeah, I say it too much. <laughs> I feel <laughs> guilty about
1: it. That came up on Superstore the other day. When uh, oh
0: right, somebody told Glenn. To... Yeah,
1: America Ferrera, uh, Amy is like kill yourself and he, she's like freaking out she just had a baby and she doesn't get any maternity leave and she's yeah. like really tired and he's like it's really upset and he's like she's like well i just thought and she's like yelling at him he's like well i, I just thought and she goes why haven't you killed yourself yet <laughs> <laughs> it was dark uh that show does get dark yeah. sometimes um, superstore is great uh and yeah i've seen all of your episodes there you go uh, and they're so funny you're so good on that show thank you very much Congratulations.
0: uh i was just look cleaning out emails recently um looking at how i got onto that show Mm -hmm. because i i remember so i bribes yeah through bribes that's how you get into show business it is funny how many people on facebook that don't live in la will be like so how did you like um i want to come to la and also just go to like some of the auditions you did so like what do you just go to an open call and did you get that part that way it's like no that's not how it works
1: how does it work i I don't i I don't do any Um, i don't really know
0: you That didn't
1: sound wrong to me. I'm like, yeah, you showed me yeah. an audition. No, the way it works is... You know, three bucks, two bags, one me. You know, I get it. Yeah.
0: You have to have people sort of vouch for... Basically, reps, either a manager or an agent, get you into the room to audition for, at the very beginning, very small parts. So, like, one line on this and two lines on that. And what the weird thing I think people don't understand is it's mostly a factor of casting directors of which there's maybe like 30 in LA, getting to know you, it's more important that they get to know you than any of the actual creative decision makers for oh, the shows. It's more important that the casting directors know you and that you go in and you put on a good audition um, so that they don't look bad for having brought you in. Right. Um, and so that process has taken me about five years in Los Angeles. To get to know all those people? Not to get to know them, but for them to be like, for when my name is suggested for a role, that they are like, oh, okay, yeah, I like him. And even still, I can't get in for certain things. Mm -hmm. Most notably, couldn't get into the room this season for a TV show about magic... Written by people from Superstore. <laughs> really? Yeah, couldn't can't get an audition. What, what show was that? Can it's you called, tell me off mic? Uh, no, I can tell you now. It's called Like Magic. It's a pilot that's up, it's there. It's, the, it's about a woman. Oh, is that the female one that Keenan Thompson's producing? Uh, yeah, a woman trying to get into the Magic Palace. Palace. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which sparked a bit of a debate I heard on on the Facebook. Oh? Uh, that I kind of rolled my eyes at. Why? Uh, well, you had because I assume
0: they're doing that to give it a little bit of distance. You
1: had it. Uh, you had a twofold. You had one group of people say you had one group of people that had a problem saying like, "Oh, this is gonna make all magicians look like oafs and buffoons." And I went, "Well, they're basing that off of something." Yeah. Um, the second thing is they people thought it was gonna make an artifact. This I thought was bullshit, and I will call this out and. Um, Go fuck yourself to anyone who wants to fight me. And on then this. kill yourself. Yeah, then kill yourself. And that one I will not say as a joke because like people were saying, no, and I'm kidding. I, that 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 felt dark. But <laughs> uh, but people were saying like people were saying that there's not a big problem for women in magic or women getting booked at the really? castle. And I was like, fuck off. Wow. Fuck you. They're like, what? Well, you know, like, well, we look look, we have Kayla and we have Carissa and end of list. <laughs> I was like, yeah. We're like, look at all the magician, the female magicians that have won magician of the year. Um, these three. I'm like, yeah, fuck off. There, yeah. you know.
0: Um, so, you know what? Great segue. Let's talk about the nominations. Let's talk about the nominations. For, uh, what are these nominations, what, baby? What I is did this it again. award it actually time. called?
1: Uh, you get uh, magician of the year for whatever that room is. So the a- Academy of Magical Arts Magician of the Year awards. Just the uh, nominations were just released. Um, do you have them up? I do. Okay, great. Um, re- read them. Read them. Read them off. Let's with the start
0: with close up let a uh,
1: close up. I will say most of the people I voted for in the uh, uh, nominating process did not get nominations, uh, um, unless they were front runners, uh, which many of the people I voted for were not.
0: Right. Uh, here's the close up nominees: Armando Lucero, okay, Bebel, mm-hmm. Brian Gillis, mm-hmm. Garrett Thomas, and Hannibal. Okay. Uh, is Bebel a man or a woman? Bebel is a man. Um, So this one, all men. Uh, Yeah, the the only two female nominees, which
1: it is pretty incredible that there are two female nominees in the same categories in The Palace, which we'll get to in a minute, but we'll talk about close-up in the meantime. Uh, So that is a great step forward. I was very happy to see that. Um,
0: Did you see these guys' shows this year?
1: I have not seen, uh, not all of them. I saw Garrett Thomas. I saw Garrett Thomas. I saw... I've seen Armando Lucero almost every year he goes. Um, I will front load this by saying he would be my choice. Um, he will probably be my vote. Uh-huh. Um, I think Armando Lucero is amazing. Armando Lucero was also very kind to me. He was the, f- he was the person doing late close-up the first time I ever did a full week. And I did it early. That was six years ago. Oh, and he was nice? Uh, very nice guy. Very friendly. Every time I see him, he's very kind and nice to me. Does
0: he live here? I don't or? think so. I don't know that he does. He I was, was just eyeing something he put out called paper cuts.
1: Oh, his DVD. Do you have that? I do not. I do not. Looks he's very uh, fascinating. Great. He is incredible, incredible, incredible. I think he's just been. I think this is a long time coming. I believe he's been nominated almost every year since I've been around. And uh,
0: I, And did you say that if you win twice, you can't? be Yeah, nominated? You, you
1: max out at two. Okay. So, like, shoot, can't win any of these. Um, uh, has he won all of them. Twice? He has not won um any lecture awards, which okay. is a lot, but he's won stage, close-up, and parlor two times each. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> Jesus. Um, boy they really love shoot at the castle for good reason so like so I think he's actually
1: the uh, I might be off by a year but I believe he's the current stage magician of the year I think he won last year oh um if not last year than the year before but the the stage magician of the year were the two most recent ones for him and Mm -hmm. those were both in the last four years or so he won one year he was nominated again lost the second year and then it was not a third time he was nominated and then won. um those were his two Uh, but parlor and close-up those came like 10 years ago
0: do you want to shout out any other close-up people that you nominated or wanted to have nominated um no no one
1: uh I can't remember. Um, I remember the ones for Palace and Parlor okay. um, more so. I was,
0: I was just thinking about... Um,
1: Here's what I will say. The, I, I'd say the biggest snub across this whole thing for me is Robert Ramirez. I think Robert did some incredible work this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that he didn't get a nomination um, anywhere is silly because uh, he's great.
0: I wonder if we looked at the demographics of who's voting for this, if it makes the Oscar voting uh, demographic... <laughs> right. Look like a Benetton ad. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um I, I imagine the average age of the voting block for this these awards is probably up there. Up there. And I bet they uh, uh, this is no this is not a Christmas of Robert. I bet that they don't love young whippersnappers. <laughs> well Robert's Unless, also
1: doing a lot of form bending stuff. Um his parlor show yes. was weird and bizarre and uh very you know um, it was like a character act, and it was very, very strange and different. And but it was also very popular. People, I mean, on the Facebook page, people loved it. I was, I'm actually, I was a little surprised when he didn't get something. Actually, I will say I, there,
0: there's another magician that I will not name that I'm surprised was not nominated in close up because of the amount of um, homage that he. Oh,
1: I, I, I'll talk. That's right. My big snub and someone I voted for on the close up list was Michael Zaldi. Uh,
0: that's not who I was going to say. Okay. Um. I'm talking about somebody who like really pays tribute to older magicians.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, I was a little surprised by that too. I think, that, but that's coming down the
0: pipeline soon. I think because that feels like a you know, well, uh, I I hate these young kids, but th- you know, there is one that I like, right? Because he like does my exact routines or whatever, right? Um, um was, but uh, Mike Alzaldi,
1: I was actually, sh- I I thought this year I thought he was the front runner to win, um, because of how interesting that act is. Yes, uh, I I definitely think while I had um some, like, I guess I'll call it quibbles, things that I would have done differently about that act. um uh-huh. Michael, he was the stuff he was doing was incredibly inventive, very original. Even the old thing, like the cups and balls, was done in a very brilliant and unique, interesting way. I think he totally fucked with, like, the format of that room and changed things that was really cool, really interesting, and I think definitely an important creative push that we should take notice of.
0: I, th- I think, uh, when I saw this list, actually, I was surprised that he wasn't on it. But then I was thinking... I wonder if his show will find its home eventually in the parlor.
1: I think, there, from what I've heard, it's already being worked into a 45 minute Peller show. And okay. I like, You've still never seen a Peller show, right? No, and also okay. it's not in this. Is it. It is I'm- not. The Peller is not a category, um, which uh, funny. The new Bad Boys of Magic made like a little minute long, like. Sarah McLaughlin thing like uh, Arms of the Angel kind of video uh-huh. about how the, the they should be be able to consider for parlor Magicians of the Year, but there's no category for Peller.
0: I'll tell you that as a as a not member of the castle, that the Peller feels doesn't feel as accessible to regular people because I remember I actually went with Eric to the Magic Castle uh, in 2000. 2000- Fifteen or sixteen, and I remember he walked into the peller. Well, like we were there on a regular night. Right. He walked into the peller and they told him to leave. Right. Because <laughs> I think that happens
1: was, sometimes. Because it's just like a door, and you walk into it. You don't really know not to, unless yeah. there's like a host telling you not to. Or and there
0: was maybe it was was there maybe a lecture happening or something. Or- well, it probably would
1: have been a show um
0: wednesday like thursday through sunday night it it was not a show that a person could go see i remember he was like told to leave as like a you, oh well you they don't belong here
1: kind all, of thing. all of the uh oh it's because he was gay uh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they could they were like ooh not you sir yeah um
0: if that was the truth <laughs> there wouldn't be anybody at the magic Council. yes
1: uh <laughs> uh no it was um probably a lot of like those perks uh they're called happen like on in the or on like wednesday nights Uh, so like they're not exactly lectures they'll be like events and someone will you know give a little chat about like yeah i don't know i I can't think of off my head
0: and and when you go to that downstairs area that that doesn't feel as um it just doesn't feel like like that's where the library is, and right. I don't know. It doesn't feel as like this is for the public as well. So I wonder. That's probably that's why point. I never seen a Peller. Also, I haven't seen Peller show because when I was taking class there, I could only go on Mondays or Tuesdays, mm-hmm. and there's no Peller shows on those. Right. Well, right. well, we'll go see a Peller show sometime. Yeah. Uh, let's go on to part because I was thinking. I think Michael is all It's, it's going to go in the Peller, so he couldn't get nominated for Parlor. I guess. I guess
1: not. But a, a show that would
0: are... um, live in the Peller could move to the Parlor at some point. I assume potentially. Yeah. yeah. Uh, parlor is Arthur Trace, mm-hmm. Chad Long, mm-hmm. John Armstrong, Justin Wilman, and Mike Pis Is it Pisciata? Pisciata. P- Mike Pisciata, who is, I know more as like the bartender magician. Yes. Guy. So he's one, he's maxed
1: out on, cl- he's won close up magician of the year twice. Uh-huh. Um, and then he's, uh, um, I don't know if he has won Parlor Magician. I know he's been this is not his first nomination. I don't know if he's been nominated before, to be honest with you. He's uh, uh very good. That's a strong that's a strong category. Um I did not see any of these. Um I, uh I, I I've seen all these people before. I don't know that I saw any of them
0: this year. Now are you supposed to do a new act to win this? Or no, you can do the same, same okay. act. So, like um just to pick up our previous topic, if Mike Elizalde took his the act that we saw, yeah, moved it into the parlor, yeah he could just be nominated for that yes. without changing anything. Yes. Now, can you win twice with the same act? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I don't like that. <laughs> there's not really
1: a way to police like whether or not... Oh, you can police
0: it if you have police. <laughs> magic police. Magic police, which there. That's are That's the show that I'm going to pitch. Magic police, <laughs> magic <laughs> cop. Yeah. Um, Who's your pick for this category? Uh, read me the names again. Arthur Trace, Chad Long, John Armstrong, Justin Willman, Mike Pichotta. Uh, did you see any of them?
1: I saw Chad Long. Mm. Um, other than that, I've seen all of these people before. I don't think I saw any of them this year. Uh-huh. Um,
0: have you seen John Armstrong do Parlor?
1: Uh, I have. Okay. It's
0: very good. Because I, I know that he teaches a thing of uh, magicians that want to transition into stand-up right. magic. Right. Yeah, I, I think he would be a good choice for this. I think Arthur Trace would also be a good choice
1: for this. I, you know what? I, I'm going to say my, vo- my vote would probably go to Arthur Trace. I think he's very, very, very creative. Uh-huh. Really, I mean, he, you know, he he got a FISM award in like 2006 or something, 2009, in Manipulation. He has a really cool stage act. Mm-hmm. All of his stuff is very creative, and it's all very memorable. Mm-hmm. I could... Uh, walk you through what is in his act more so than I could most of the other people. Uh-huh. This is not just like card tricks. Not that there's anything wrong with card tricks, but everything about it is really memorable. And he has these very, very uh, specific and cool effects that are all very original and very creative. Uh-huh. So I'm going to go uh, Arthur Trace on this one.
0: Uh, I d- so- Do
1: I think he'll win? Not necessarily, but that would be, that'll probably be my vote.
0: And also so far, two categories, all men. Um. <laughs>
1: uh, and a parlor is where, um, some of my, uh, Oh, like... Picks uh, got snubbed. Uh, Peepo Villanueva, I think, was maybe the best parlor show I saw all year. Oh, uh, uh, I saw that show? Yeah, he was fantastic. And it was really, really clever and really interesting. And I think should have gotten um, a nomination because I think he was amazing.
0: Excellent. Um, stage... Uh, by the way, where's Armando Lucero from?
1: Um, I don't... Uh, Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's American. Um, yeah. He grew up in Long Beach. He was a member of the Long Beach Mystic. And what was, like, about Babel? Rabel French. Rebel's a French street okay. performer. So we have five men so far,
0: and basically they're
1: all Caucasian as well. <laughs> uh, Armando Lucero is um, Spanish. He's Latino, uh, uh,
0: but he's, he's he, um, I think he's, he's, he's American.
1: He's Hispanic, yes, thank you. Uh, uh, but he's not um,
0: he's not white. Yeah. Uh, uh, although censuses uh, have a weird thing where it's like I, I don't understand why Hispanic you, you, on when you fill out forms, it's like white and there's like white non-Hispanic. Uh-huh. It's a very strange, I don't know why that got separated out as that way. I don't know. When you look at like population things on Wikipedia, it'll say like this country is 60% white, uh, 48% white non-Hispanic. They kind of like lump Hispanic in with white sometimes. Oh, that's It's weird. very odd. Uh, stage. Uh, we have Carissa Hendricks. Mm-hmm. In parentheses, it says Lucy Darling. She does her acting character and the character's name is Lucy Darling. Okay. Jeff Hobson. Okay. Lindsay Benner. Mm-hmm. Piff the Magic Dragon. And Steve Valentine. Right. Uh,
1: strong List. Yeah. Stronglist people. Did you see any of these folks? Uh, I did. I've seen um I, I don't think I saw uh I you know, actually I did not see um Steve Valentine's show because he had like a full he did all forty five minutes and he did like his one man show. Whoa. Uh, which was about his like uh leaving magic and hating magic and then coming back to magic. Cool. Um yeah, uh he did that as a full like hour-and-a-half show, I think, in other places. I think Valentine is probably the favorite here. I think he will probably win. I think he has so much popularity, and there's so many supporters behind him, and I think people really enjoyed that show when he did it at the castle. And it was very, very popular. Uh-huh. Um, I, uh, I'm very... Yes, this is where we have our t- uh, the two female nominees, which is uh, more than usual. I certainly think there's... There, I mean, there's probably has to be some record for two women being nominated in the same category ever. Um, <laughs> which is... Bad. It's kind of sad. It's very sad. <laughs> well, this started the category. This started the category. This started the debate. Excuse me uh, about like whether or not there was a problem with women in magic. Because when this came out, people were all like, "Hey, two women," and then they're like, "Yeah, there's not a problem with women." Tina Leonard won. Suzanne won. And others probably. Like that's <laughs> uh-huh. kind of what it was like. And it's like the fact that you know all of them offhand is the problem. Yeah. And so like even the other day, uh, someone posted the board minutes. The magic, the uh, board of directors minutes on the Facebook page, and one of the things was they're working with the board of trustees as a to to kind of find more female magicians, and uh, you know just kind of all. I, I don't want to misquote it. I don't know it that well, but the idea was like to get just find more female magicians so we can. Kind of, Sort of get them in the direction of the magic castle if, um, if, yeah. if, if you know, if they're actually good, just so we can get more women performing. And that sparked another, like, what what is that supposed to do? Like,
0: why do we need that? It's like, fuck
1: you, because there's not enough women performing,
0: you assholes. Yeah. Um, and the, the tough part is that, especially with magic, there's a learning curve. So this is a 10 year project, right? You know what I mean? Like, uh, if I want to get more women into an improv class, I can just like market it better and you know, in six weeks we can see an increased enrollment in improv class. And, right. Uh but like if I want to have more magicians that are magic hassle level, mm-hmm. I have to like start with uh students that are like, you know, young and have them work for a long time. And if they right. stay in that like that environment for a long time to acquire the skills. Um but what would it do? I mean also presumably you would get I I guess the presumption is always you want magic to just be better and that you want more perspectives to be in it. Right. You know? Because I think that I think it would be hard for any of the people complaining about that for them to argue that magic is not samey right now. What like, do you mean? there there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities between many people's acts. Yes. Um so I think
1: oh I think those people would very easily argue it, but I think like, they would happy to ha- be happy to argue that with you. Oh, but, you mean
0: they'd be like, the distinction between this this routine and that routine yes. is actually, like, a much bigger di- difference than I think it is? Yes. <laughs> I mean... I don't know that. I, I would probably be on your side of this. I mean, I, I think, actually might agree with them in certain cases, but I would also be like, but a regular audience member doesn't, you know... Right. See the difference between your Chicago opener and this person's Chicago opener. Right. Um, so... To that end, I think it would be good to just have more and different voices. Speaking of diverse voices, look at these segues. (laughs) Nominated for lecture, Eric Jones. Hey. These are the nominees for lecture. Uh, Eric Jones, Garrett Thomas, Richard Turner, Paul Wilson, and Zabrecki. Did you see any of these lectures?
1: Um, Read them again. Uh, Eric Jones. Okay. Garrett
0: Thomas. Nope. Richard Turner. Yes, I saw that one. uh, Paul Wilson. Mm Mm-hmm. And
1: i think richard turner's probably gonna win as my guess uh, i think that room was packed and people were very very excited mm-hmm. i uh don't know that i'll vote for this category uh-huh. um because i didn't see so many of the people in it and i think it'd be shitty and i think a lot of people are already going to do that vote for things they didn't see because especially when you even think about like so the, people are just voting like i like this guy yes that's yeah. exactly right especially in the close-up gallery i mean you know that's what 28 seats shows that that's that's you know 20 uh there's
0: probably more members than there are seats.
1: Right. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If 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 every single member tried to see that show and not a single guest saw that show that you know a single non-member <laughs> right. guest like that's still you have thousands to one, you know. Yeah. It still does not So
0: that's interesting. It's like by definition people are it's like it, this they have is to be voting so much for more something. Apparently, they haven't a seen. popularity choice than, <laughs> than and also, anything else. Probably that's probably true for stage too. Because how many members are really like, um, you know, right. if, if you're a member of the castle to see a stage show, you have to wait in that line, right? Right. So like, how many old school members of the castle are really sitting in a line to wait and watch every stage show of the year so that they can properly nominate and vote for the exactly? Winner? Um. I, we know who the winner would be if I voted for this. Yes, our Paul Wilson, right? By yeah, that that sexy vote, for sure. Plus, I would I actually love him as a magician.
1: There, <laughs> he is a great magician. I, he actually—if I, um, I were to vote, he would probably be my—he um, uh, would probably be my vote because I think he is a very smart magician, and I think he is deserving of some recognition for. Uh, how strong i I actually voted for him for closer magician of the year oh um and that was a bit of a snub for me because i think he was i saw that show it's great it's incredible yeah it's one of those definitely one of the strongest most memorable shows for me of that past year
0: and one one of the things i always tell people about that show that i saw was i loved so much how slow he was with his moves to where it's like it's infuriating that you can't see anything yeah it's like he's not really doing any kind of like I'm moving my hand around so much that you can't see me flash or anything. Right. It was just like very slow and precise.
1: Yeah. Um. I uh, I think he's like, and just the the stuff he's put out, I think is very good. And I think he's a very smart magician. He's he's clearly very uh, experienced and has a lot of knowledge to give, which is why I think that the lecture would be good. Good. uh, He'd be a good choice for the lecture because I think he should be recognized for uh, his contributions. And aside from that, that, there are many.
0: It's still probably my number one sexiest magician. Really?
1: Um, you know, it's funny. A friend of mine the other day was like, I'm um, like, yeah, I, I enjoy who's not a magician, but I'm jo- I enjoy listening to it. But uh, I, obviously, I, I don't really know a lot of the magic things you're talking about. She goes, but I do look up the people
0: that Chris says are sexy. And she went, I do not agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course not. Uh, I have a type. You have a type. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, so who? who, who your friend. Yeah. Look up Steve Valentine, Jonathan Levitt. Um, I'm trying to think of who else it would be like dashing. She
1: actually came and saw Jonathan Levitt at Magic Bar. And what do you think? Uh, well, she didn't comment on the sexiness. Uh, but.
0: you know, John Accardo, Robert Ramirez. Yeah. Put these guys up. I mean, you know,
1: Robert Ramirez and I have gotten mistaken for being related maybe four or five times. <laughs> what? People in the same room, like, will be like, it happened just the other day when we saw, um, Gentleman's Guide his girlfriend was in. Someone was in it, uh, Met, she, Kelly introduced Robert as um her boyfriend and uh, the lady said oh nice to meet you and then I was standing there and um, he goes this is my friend John and I shook her hand and she goes oh are you two related and we're like no but we get that a lot maybe four or five different times at different
0: places. You know, I think it places. might be that you have some Mediterranean coloring right. from the I, Italian I, I, I an Italian background. I have an olive I have an, uh, uh, skin tone from, from, and, um, from Sicily. And Robert yeah. frankly his personality is really white. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell your friend that if you're looking for handsome uh, men in a traditional sense, maybe magic's not the place to look. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, only because you know, I don't, I don't know if you grow up being like a classically handsome Brad Pitt type, right? Uh, similar to comedy, what is their motivation for going? They don't need to go into magic or comedy.
1: In fact, uh, a friend of mine, um, she, she texted me, she'd gone on a date with someone who was did magic and was getting back into magic. And she's like, "Oh yeah, he just. I told him that I was friends with the magician from L.A. This is, she's in New York, and she that uh, uh, I. He said it. I t- described to you the trick.'" you could tell me the name of the trick. And I, I was able to, it was an anniversary waltz. Uh-huh. And I went very romantic. First date trick, very uh-huh. romantic. And she goes, yeah, he said he was going to do like the king of hearts and queen of hearts, but that would be too on the nose. And I went, that's correct. And so then I eventually, I, um, I saw a picture of this guy and he was so classically like attractive and good looking. And I was like, this is bullshit. Yeah. I'm like, you don't get to, you don't get to be hot. And she's like an actor and singer dancer and who now just does magic? Like you don't get to do, you don't get to be hot and then do magic. You you're good at one as a consolation for not
0: being the other. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert: that guy's gay. Okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I do want to add one uh, person to the. Uh, I'd put him in the uh, kind of cute magicians list. Uh-huh. Uh, Glenn West. Do you know? Have you heard of him? Uh, yes, I have. I recently watched a thing that he put out called Seamless, mm-hmm. which is a torn and a restored. Destroyed. I actually just saw that this
1: morning, oddly enough. So, I oh, would, Seamless. If you just said yesterday, his Glenn West, I would have been like, oh, fucking no. Um, I actually do know Glenn
0: West. Do you know his torn and restored? Glenn? I have not watched it, but I know he has one called Seamless. It's pretty beguiling. Cool. Um, I have to watch and it. And then I, I have learned it. It's it's definitely not easy, um, but it's it's uh. Falls in the category of like I think I want to like practice it every day to just drill in it because it seems worthwhile to learn it because it's um, right. it's not gimmicked at all it's all sleight of hand which is very interesting right uh, that's exciting yeah I'd love to watch it has it one move at the end that I'm really skeptical about it working <laughs> but
1: okay uh, I imagine we're probably hitting close to an hour We're right? very close yes um, oh we're on an hour well I was I was gonna say uh, before we go I did want to mention um, a couple snubs for me from lecture and stage production of the year. Ah. Uh, lecture is the big cuz those are the lectures some of the lectures I saw were amazing that should have been recognized. Uh-huh. Um, one was uh, Miguel Muñoz and Miguel Anhela. Mm-hmm. Also a snu- both of those I felt were snubs it's two
0: separate t- lectures?
1: Uh, no, one joint lecture. Okay. Um, I also thought that they should have been nominated uh, at least Miguel Muñoz should have been nominated. I wonder for the stage if they're
0: they're the um, they not motivated to nominate not that they're outsiders but like people that don't live in LA that aren't sort of like around the castle a lot.
1: That's, I mean, that's apparently true based off of the the, the nominees. I would also say, well, a lot of these people don't live in LA actually. Uh, but
0: does Eric Jones live here?
1: Um, I think so. I'm not sure to be honest. Uh, Garrett
0: Thomas does not. Garrett Thomas lives in in, Buffalo. Yeah. But I wonder, I I think there's maybe something about like you're around a lot. You're part of the social fabric of, yeah. Being part of the
1: social fabric is more important than I think being physically around like Carissa Hendricks lives in uh, Canada. uh Um, but uh, she is certainly a, a well, like a well-known person and name, yeah. um, as she should be. She's great. She is someone that I've actually reached out to about being on this podcast. Okay. Oh, because cool. uh, she, I don't know if you've ever seen. You don't think you've ever seen her act? I don't um, think I have. I'll, I'll pull it up for you on YouTube. Very, it just the, the character work is stronger than probably anything I've ever seen in magic. Oh, uh, it's so uh, like her improv, her ability to improv and ad lib with an audience in character, and something that is true to her character is nearly unparalleled cool Like uh, i see people are kind of doing a character but they kind of bust out of that to some degree yes i don't enjoy that actually um and so uh so she's like there are these improv jokes she's done that i like on her videos like these things will happen and she'll riff on them and i'm like huh. fuck you i'm mean, granted i know it's one of those things where like she's hit her ten thousand hours she's probably encountered that scenario before it's probably not quite as spontaneous as it may look like to me but still it was great yeah. uh and then um, when I saw her at Magic Bar a few weeks ago, she was there visiting Kayla, uh, watching Kayla's show. And she'll be there as Lucy Darling next week. Actually, she'll oh, be doing cool. um, that character in uh, Magic Bar. Which is, if you can get a ticket to that, which I don't think you can, um, try to go see it. It's, it's, that'll be Magic
0: Bar should put out their own awards.
1: Uh, hey, best guest host. <laughs> yeah, uh, nominees uh, are. <laughs> um,
0: was, was, there, was there a different lecturer you wanted to shout out? Besides? Yes,
1: uh, I would say Miguel Munoz, Miguel and Helhea. I would also say Pipo Villanueva and Luis Almeida did a joint lecture together. Uh-huh. And I think we're getting these cool foreign perspectives that, of these styles of magic and this knowledge of magic that we don't quite have in, in America in L.A. It's very different and very interesting. And like um fucking 25 people were at these lectures, you know. Uh, really? Yeah, and it was really sad. Uh, And I was really upset by that. And uh, we have these people flying... You know, the fucking World... The Grand Prix World Champion of Magic came to do a week in the palace and then teach magic in a lecture. And, you know, it was... It was like a third full. I showed up late. I was like, she got there two minutes before the lecture. And you get a ticket. I was like number like 18 or something. Oh, man. Um, But every time i'm gonna be an asshole can i be an asshole for one second sure it's every party. time jeff mcbride shows up we have to line the walls of the palace there's 500 people trying to watch him. but right. then you know is the lecture in it's in the, the lectures in the parlor unless it gets too full and then they move it to the oh palace. really jesus yeah oh, man. so you know um so like it's it, it makes me really sad when these when the grand prix fism winner uh world champion of magic comes to the castle Gives this lecture, and there are sixteen people. And by the
0: room. way, they they come to perform at the castle um, more out of respect. They did and appreciation, what, three yeah. shows a night for yeah. a week, and they're not getting paid like what they probably could get paid, right. to do that act in other places. Absolutely. So, um, I think you've mentioned before, but one of the ways that they also get back a little bit is like people going to the lectures, and sometimes people would sell stuff or right. whatever. Yeah, and they had yeah DVDs um, and stuff. Yeah, so, like, for them to not get support from the community, especially if you win FISM. Right. And that, to me, highlights so much of, like, the anger I feel
1: towards, you know, American magic is, like, this incredibly – if you've seen Miguel Munoz's act, it's beautiful and it's incredible and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, And so, 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 so smart without – like, the, the magic in it. Because, like, you can have this cool manipulation act that's amazing and knuckle-busting and incredibly difficult. And it can be really uh, powerful and uh, great magic. But I can also see how difficult it is. Miguel Munoz has this stuff that is, uh, when I saw him first at FIZZM when he just competed, uh, I was like, oh, that was amazing. That was beautiful. That's probably going to win. And it won by, like, a lot at Ree Chang, um, who also had an incredible act by, like, nine points. Um, It was the clear winner, uh rightfully so and then it wasn't until i watched him in the finals again where all the first place winners compete for the grand prix that i could seeing it a second time i could tell how fucking smart that act was uh-huh. the way some of the way he the subtleties he has to make those vanishes cleaner and stronger more impossible is unbelievable mm. so i don't know what you would call this i guess uh like you know someone's knowledge of, like musicality like someone's not not just whether they're a talented musician but their knowledge of music yeah you know you would call it like their musicality
0: right Sort of. I call it the musicalness. Musicalness. Right.
1: <laughs> but I don't know what you would call that in magic necessarily, but just his knowledge of how to make that stronger without you know right. um being obvious his was magicality. Magicality. His magicality was uh,
0: That should have been the name of this podcast. <laughs>
1: magicality, fuck. That or Whirly Gig Fluff. Whirly gig fluff. <laughs> um, or hey, we can still go back to Joke and Focus. There's all the time. <laughs> but I, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, um, and 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 so like it wasn't until I saw him. I already thought he deserved to win, and it wasn't until I saw him at the Grand Prix competing again that I went, "Oh wow, this is." Yeah, I wonder if thing.
0: that comes from uh, maybe in Spain there's more thinking about. I mean, clearly, if you read Magic Rainbow, <laughs> there's, there's uh, maybe there's more thinking like the idea that that's an entire book without any methods in it, right? Like there's more thinking about all the other stuff that we were talking about before, like it's not something that really gets sold very much. Right. Uh, But yeah, I guess, you know, magic rainbow is doing well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But maybe if you come from a culture where it's like, Hey, not only are you doing that move, here's a little subtlety that's going to improve, improve that move. And we're living in a world where all of our magician friends are talking about those kinds of subtleties and those kinds of like, you know, when you, when you ask a question, look at the audience member or don't, or like, you know, all these extra things that aren't in right. Erdnase necessarily. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what takes you to a higher level. I think so. And then, you know, no one shows up for your lecture. But, yeah. but I was going to say to you that that you could probably view that as a competitive advantage that not everyone is going to these things, you know? What do you mean? Well, it's good for you in a way because, like, you're, you're um, pursuing access to, like, what you would consider better magicians oh sure and not a lot of other people are right so that's a way of separating yourself from the pack of American magicians right in general um all right we're at uh, hour 13 oh wow uh, we're, we're at hour 13 I feel like two minutes ago you're like oh we haven't quite hit an hour yet yeah yeah we've gone for 13 hours okay great a, this is a charity marathon for um uh uh, water <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what we we're, we're going to go out with some spanish music now hey so just imagine we hear that fading up now yeah uh, that's been the setup we'll see you next time see you next time